The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. back baby i'm back in the saddle back from new brunswick did a little bit of a drive went house hunting the markets are competitive folks if you want to buy a house you know get in now while you can before it gets wild it's already wild what are you gonna do about it (laughs) anyways montreal canadians lose they lose eight to four to the washington capitals in montreal Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Bottom 6 Minutes Podcast presented by Habsize and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and uh, I would be pissed off about that one, but you know, this late in the season, in a tank season, not a whole lot to be pissed off about. Uh, And they actually had a good start in this game. Honestly, the first period was pretty solid. Habs looking like the better team throughout most of that period, uh, getting the better chances, but uh, Vitek Vanacek in net for the Washington Capitals looking great. And uh, Cole Caulfield had a really good opportunity that I thought he probably would have scored on early on in the game. Uh, but his stick just exploded on him from his favorite spot to shoot from. And uh, prior to that, he actually had another pretty good opportunity as well where the puck just kind of rolled off his stick. So it, there could have been two Cole Caulfield goals in that first period, but just wasn't meant to be. And then, of course, pretty late in the period, uh, we get a soft as baby shit hold call on David Savard. Ryan Paling almost scores shorthanded, but shortly after that, Nick Dowd down in front puts it in, makes it 1-0 for the Washington Capitals. 15-7 were the shots after one period. Uh, Habs are the better team in that period. Definitely the better team. Uh, Just didn't get the better of the goals, which is what matters. Uh, We go into the second period. Uh, Early on in the period, Habs tie it up. Uh, Christian Dvorak, beautiful drop pass at the blue line. Manages to stay on side as well, which was just as impressive as the pass itself. Jake Evans takes it, doesn't wait, just bombs one. Absolute beast of a clapper. Puts it in, makes it 1-1. We get some 4-on-4 near the midway point. A little scrum in front of the net, gives two penalties. Caps, capitalize on that. Anthony Mantha. Initial shot gets stopped by Samuel Montembeau, uh, but he can't handle it. It's kind of fluttering there, and uh, Mantha puts in his own rebound, makes it 2-1. to one. And then Vanacek absolutely robs Cole Caulfield on a chance. Puck goes the other way. Anthony Mantha, again, gets a chance, buries it, beats Montembeau straight. I thought Montembeau probably should have stopped that one, but it is 3-1 for the Washington Capitals. <clears throat> Refs go absolutely bananas after this. Mike Hoffman gets called for the most absurdly soft hook, 50 feet away from the puck, nowhere near the play. Not sure what they were thinking. I'm thinking maybe they got a little bit of direction from the league to make sure that the Capitals got their uh, their playoff clinch in that game, but I digress. 
Anyways, they go to the penalty kill. Uh, actually, it was a five on three. And they actually managed to kill it off. But there's no momentum to be gained from it. Evgeny Kuznetsov, uh, not too long after the five on three kill off, uh, he goes in on the outside, throws it back into the slot for Alexander Ovechkin. He's not going to miss from the low slot, and he doesn't, and makes it four to two for the Capitals at the end of the second period. That is the score, and it just gets worse from there in the third. Early third, though, the Habs get one back, make it look like maybe they got a little bit of a comeback going. Beast of a net drive by Tyler Pitlick. Ryan Paling cleans up the rebound, makes it 4-3, to three, but before they can even announce that goal in the arena, Garnet Hathaway in the slot makes it 5-3. to three. A couple minutes later, Dmitry Orlov circles in from the wall, back up towards the point, and kind of like loops around the outside of the faceoff circle, uh, fires a wrister, beats Samuel Montembeau, another one that I thought Montembeau should have had. Later on, uh, Tom Wilson <laughs> deflects one in. I think he deflected it in anyways. Uh, makes it 7-3 to three for the Capitals. And then Nick Suzuki, uh, you know, he makes it 7-4 to four with an absolute rip of a wrist shot that actually destroys the net camera in the process, making it 7-4. to four And thinking, you know, maybe the Habs have a late game comeback here, but no. TJ Oshie scores late on the power play, uh, makes it 8-4, to four, and that was the final score. Uh, not, not the best showing from the Montreal Canadiens, but I actually didn't think they looked that bad considering that they're playing against a playoff team, right? Last place team in the Eastern Conference versus, uh, well, I think they're going to be the eighth seed in the East, but um, they're they're much better than that seeding would suggest, the Capitals, that is. I really think that the, the way they've come on late in the season, if, if they were playing like this early on, you would have seen them maybe top three in their division rather than, you know, fighting for um, a wild card spot. They may not be, like, you know, consensus Stanley Cup contenders, but I think that they could do a lot of damage in the playoffs. I think people are going to underestimate that team. I think whoever has to play them uh, in the first round is going to have their hands full. It's it's not going to be a walkthrough for them. Uh, they have a lot of skill. They've clearly got goaltending. I mean, Vitek Vanacek was, was very good in this game, despite giving up four goals. He managed to be very good, and he's not even their starter. Or maybe he is. I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I think they've basically split the games between him and Samsonov. Um, e- either way, all this to say, they have goaltending, and they've got, uh, they can hurt you with pretty much all four of their lines. So I, I really think that they're going to be a bit of a surprise in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but uh, I guess we'll see if that ends up being the case or not. There were a few interesting moments in the game as well, um, namely the fact that Tom Wilson refused to fight Josh Anderson. I thought that was uh, certainly something. Josh Anderson had some choice words for him from the bench, or from the penalty box, rather, because uh, Wilson took a run at Jake Evans, and then uh, Anderson went over there and punched him in the face. Um, Probably should have waited at least for Wilson to get his gloves off to see if he wanted to fight, because the reason he went to the box was, you know, as a result of punching somebody in the face who didn't have their gloves off. But I found it interesting that he was unwilling to fight uh, Josh Anderson. I would have thought, you know, that's not necessarily a great fight for Wilson, but it's it's a fair fight. And uh, I thought it was kind of a, you know, a soft move of him to be taking runs at people all night. And then when one person comes up to challenge you, uh, you know, you, you back off and you let him take a penalty for it. I mean, I think if you're going to take those runs, you should probably be willing and prepared to fight for it. But 
Um, that's just me. Maybe I'm old school. I don't know. Silver lining of the night. I guess let's get to that. Uh, I, I got to go with Nick Suzuki. I mean, that's a pretty rough game overall. Uh, definitely could have gone with Ryan Paling. I mean, he had two goals in the night. Um, and honorable mention, I guess, to Ryan Paling. I mean, he, it seems like when he scores, it's always multi-goal games. He never has just like a single goal or like a single assist. It's always multiple points or nothing when it comes to him. And I'm less convinced after the way this season has gone that he's going to be a part of this team in the long run. I think he's somebody who probably ends up finding a new home maybe in the offseason or, or maybe at the draft. I, I, I don't know. I think that's a player that they might look to move on from. But, you know, he's got flashes of brilliance in him. We've seen it. First ever game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform, he scores a hat trick against the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, against the uh, the Capitals, sorry, he he gets a two goal game. I mean, he's he, he's a good player. I may have even missed talking about uh, the first goal that he scored uh, during the recap because there's so many goals to talk about in that recap. Um, but that, that's another two goal game for him. I mean, how does that happen? How how are you always scoring multi goal games? I mean, there's there's flashes of brilliance there, and I don't know what the right line combination is or how they get him going more consistently. But, you know, if they ever could, he could maybe be a part of this team in the long run. I just, you know, so far this season, I just haven't seen it. So that's my reasoning for not wanting to give him the silver lining of the night is because I, I just don't see him sticking around very long with the Habs. <clears throat> I got to go with Nick Suzuki because... When you look at the the way he played, I mean, he was creating out there. He was creating some opportunities. Um, he fed Cole Caulfield a few times for those opportunities that just weren't meant to be. And then the goal he scored was, you know, obviously late in the game, didn't have a lot of impact on the result. But the big thing was how upset he looked prior to scoring that goal. He was angry. He scores the goal, breaks the camera and the net in the process, and there's no celebration afterwards. It's not like he scored that goal and then he's hot-dogging it, trying to show off for everybody. Look at the shot I just took. No. He was legitimately pissed off, not only at the score of that game, but the fact that their chances hadn't been going in prior to that. And he's like, this one is going in the fucking net, and there's nothing you can do about it. And and he did. He put it in, and um, I mean... Just look at the way this guy plays sometimes. You can see that he's an absolute game-breaker. He can break ankles. He can create opportunities for his teammates. He can throw passes that defy physics. I mean, this is a player that is going to be a legitimate, legitimate top-line player for the Montreal Canadiens for a long time. Maybe second line if they add other people, but either way, a legitimate top six center that you can rely on for the next, I don't know, 15 years. However long he wants to stick around in Montreal. He's got a long-term contract now. So that contract kicks in next year, and I've been saying this all year long. I've been saying it since they signed the contract. I think that that was a brilliant piece of business for the Montreal Canadiens. I had plenty of negative things to say about Marc Bergevin throughout his tenure. That contract was not and probably will never be one of the negative things because the only way that I could ever say anything negative about that contract would be looking back on it in hindsight. When I look at that contract right now, and I look at what he's doing on a team that is struggling, on a lottery team, 
there's no way that he's not going to be able to live up to every single dollar of that contract. There's no way. And this game against the Capitals was, you know, the proof's in the pudding right there. Realistically, you could you could cherry-pick better games that he had, right? But when I look at that game, and I look at how he was playing, how he was playing angry, right? But not taking penalties, not doing anything stupid, just going out there, playing angry in a way where, you know, he's legitimately threatening offensively on a constant basis as a result of how angry he is about the result of the game, about the score. He's looking at the scoreboard. He hates it. You know, the other night, when Carey Price made his debut, he shows up wearing Carey Price socks before the game. This guy legitimately cares about his teammates, legitimately cares about his team, legitimately cares about winning. And that's the kind of guy that you want to have around because obviously, you know, from a longevity standpoint, actually caring about winning is important, uh, but actually caring about your teammates and actually wanting to perform uh, in a way that you know benefits your teammates and that, that 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 allows you to have a good time as a team is important, and I, I think that can't be overlooked. And you know, for me, when I was watching that game, I was pretty frustrated watching the Habs play the Capitals. But every time Nick Suzuki was on the ice, I was on the edge of my seat a little bit. He's exciting, and that's good. That's a great thing for us as fans uh, to be able to see somebody who is going to keep us on the edge of our seats and hopefully keep us on the edge of our seats for many, many years. So he's a silver lining of the night. And um, I guess, you know, not to end it on a negative note, but we got to talk a little bit about Samuel Montambo in that game. Really not good. Um, I don't know what I expected. Uh, the, the Capitals are a tough ask for... Again, I, I think they're a better team than most people are giving them credit for. I think they're a tough ask for anyone. I think it would have been a ridiculous ask for Carey Price to take two games in a row and play again tonight after playing last night. And I think that was part of the reason why Martin Saint-Louis didn't pull him at any point. Montembeau, that is. right. There's no way Carey Price was coming into that game. He just came off of an injury. He hasn't played since the playoffs. You're not going to put him into that game unless Montembeau gets hurt and literally can't play. So he kind of had to sit there and eat eight goals against. And the thing about Montembeau, I've talked about this before, it seems like when he has a rough game, there is no recovering. It's not like he can let in one or two rough goals and bounce back and you know play well for the rest of the game. If he lets in one or two rough ones, it's going to be that for the rest of the game. And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's mental. Maybe he needs to work with a sports psychologist. I'm not sure. Uh, to be honest, if I had that answer, then maybe I'd be the, the goaltending coach for the Montreal Canadiens. But when it comes to him, you, you see that, right? One bad goal, it, it turns into four or five bad goals. And I think in that game, he had at least three that probably should have been stopped. So realistically, you know, go back to the beginning of the, the podcast. What do I always say? Whether or not I was pissed off. Uh, I, I would have been pissed off at this one, but I can't be. Because realistically, the score probably should have been closer than it was. The Habs managed to put up four goals, which, you know, is a lot more than we could have ever asked for early in the season. Um, but, you know, the fact they gave up eight is primarily due to some, some shoddy goaltending. And realistically, this is a position that Montembeau would not normally be in, right? Normally, this would be a Jake Allen game. You know, if we had our way this season, Carey Price would have been available all year and Jake Allen would have been the backup. So, Montembeau, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for him, but I, I again, 
much like I was saying with Paling, I could see the Habs trying to move on from him in the offseason, um, assuming that Carey Price is available next year, assuming that Jake Allen is available and that neither of them get traded, you would think that maybe um, he's not going to be in between the pipes for the Montreal Canadiens at all. So not to dump on him or anything, but you know, a rough game, and this game could have been considerably closer if he had made a couple of saves that, that I think he should have made. But he didn't, and they lost. And this is one for the tank. So the good news is, for, for all the team tank people, the Montreal Canadiens are still in last place in the Eastern Conference, and they still have a very good chance of drafting first overall and getting Shane Wright. So you're going to get what you want, folks. Hopefully. I hope so. Anyways. We're going to cut it off there. We're running uh, over 16 minutes, so uh, vraiment, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.